Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Ben. And I'm Sarah. Thank you for listening to us today. Sarah, how are you doing? I am doing pretty good because we have some big news. Ooh, that is true, isn't it? So we have a new patron. Thank you, Ramon. Thank you, Ramon. And with Ramon's $5 patronage, that does put us at our first goal of $150 a month on Patreon. That is right. So that means that going forward, you're going to get a fifth episode of Scream Scene every month for as long as we are at that $150 level or higher. These extra bonus episodes are going to cover movies that are adjacent to the horror genre, uh, movies that are not quite horror, but maybe have like a connection, Um, movies like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is going to be the subject of the first adjacent episode. I want to give a very big thank you to all of our patrons on patreon.com slash scream scene podcast. We wouldn't be able to do this show without them, and we wouldn't be able to do these horror adjacent episodes. Those episodes will come out the last Saturday of every month, so check your RSS feeds on June 26th. And uh, as Ben said, first up is going to be Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein from 1948, directed by Charles Barton. So keep your ears tuned. Watch this space. Right, exactly. That's looking pretty far ahead because we are early June. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are we watching today? Today, Sarah, we are watching... Voodoo Woman from 1957, directed by Edward L. Kahn. So is Voodoo Woman a sequel to Voodoo Man? Is it kind of like that Invisible Man, Invisible Woman situation? No. Are they cousins? Like no. Hulk and She-Hulk? Like, no. No? Okay. There is no relation <laughs> whatsoever. Except the name, I suppose. Between the Voodoo Man and the Voodoo Woman. No matrimonial. Nothing. I guess that would mean Voodoo would have to be their last names if it was matrimonial. I'm thinking too hard about this. Yes, and I would recommend perhaps not not thinking for the next hour and a half. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. All right, well, tell us about it. So this week's movie is an AIP production. It is the bottom half of the double bill with last week's The Undead. And it is brought to us from producer Alex Gordon. Uh, Alex Gordon had co-written Bride of the Monster, and he also produced uh, Day the World Ended and The She-Creature, as well as, like, several other movies for AIP, like Westerns and stuff. Yeah, but you named the films that were important to us. Correct. Uh, This film is sort of like a She-Creature reunion um, in many ways, uh, with Gordon producing, as well as director Edward L. Kahn returning he had directed she creature um but he also directed zombies of mora tau recently um as well as the sci-fi comedy invasion of the saucer men (laughs) there's lots of familiar faces in the cast too um our star this time is actress marla english 
Yeah, she was in She Creature. She was she, the lead in She Creature. She was the hypnotized woman. That's right. Who, nice. Who's turned into the lobster babe. Um, Hopefully she has more to do in this movie. Yeah, she's like an adventurer in this movie or something oh, along those lines. Dope. Uh, this would be her last film. Uh, following production of Voodoo Woman, she got married to a San Diego businessman and retired from acting at age 21. Our uh, mad scientist this time around is played by Tom Conway uh, of Cat People, I Walked with a Zombie, The Seventh Victim, Bride of the Gorilla, and She-Creature fame. They all become mad scientists in the end. Yes. This role was offered to several performers, including George Zuko. Zuko turned it down. Interesting. Um, Do you know why? Mostly because he had a stroke in 1953 that resulted in him suffering from degenerative dementia for the rest of his life until his death in the early 60s. Oh, no. So he really couldn't take the role. Um, But after a bunch of people said no, Tom Conway said yes. This is the last time we're going to be seeing Tom Conway. Um, His career was really on the downslope by this point um, due to his ill health and his alcoholism. Um, His first wife had divorced him in 1953. His second would divorce him in 1963. His brother, George Sanders, had broken off all contact with him by this point due to his alcoholism. He had like a series of surgeries, including a cataract surgery in 1965 that left him pretty broke. Uh, He was living in a $2 a day flop house. Mm -hmm. And um, even though he had no money, uh, he no longer really felt like acting anymore so he didn't really have like any income at all he ended up being hospitalized due to his failing health after getting in the hospital like he kind of got in the papers because he was sent to hospital after being found in this unfortunate circumstance and so because of that uh, his former sister-in-law Jaja Gabor visited him in hospital and gave him $200 to tip the nurses so that they would treat you nice um <laughs> So he left the hospital with that $200 and was found dead at a girlfriend's house of cirrhosis of the liver on April 12th, 1967. Wow. So many of these stars seem to have not the best endings. Yeah. And I suspect that the reason that we're seeing that with the horror genre is because it's a B-movie genre. People who are acting in this genre or working in this genre um, are either at the very beginning of their careers or at the very end of their careers. Yes, exactly. We see people who are either rising up or falling down. Our square-jawed hero this time is one of those rising up uh, instances. Uh, This is Mike Connors. Uh, who we last saw under the name Touch Connors in Day the World Ended as um, Tony Lamonti. Uh, okay. He would find fame later in his career playing Joe Mannix, private detective, right. on the 1967 to 1975 CBS television series Mannix. He was born Grigor Ohanian Jr. in 1925 to Armenian immigrants. He got the nickname Touch when he was a high school basketball player and he fought in World War II, attended university on the GI Bill, and while playing university basketball, he was encouraged to try acting. As he became an actor, his agent created his stage name of Touch Connors, uh, believed to like be a good all-American name. Sure. Uh, Connors hated the name from like day one and 
always regretted not insisting on using his own name. That was like the big regret of his career. Although he did get to change from being Touch Connors to Mike Connors a few years in. Also returning from the She Creature is Lance Fuller, who genre fans probably know best from his role as Brack in This Island Earth, while actor Paul Dubove had been Radic in Day the World Ended. The original makeup design for the Voodoo Woman was deemed unsuitable at the last minute. Oh, no. So Paul Blaisdell supplied the biggest returning face from She-Creature, which is to say the She-Creature herself. (laughs) The costume's tail, fins, antennae, and lobster claws were removed, and she was given a new head of blonde hair. Um, Her hair as the She-Creature was kind of like slicked back, had like a wet look yeah. now she has like curls like, she has like betty draper's hair oh my um God. and she wears a uh burlap sack dress now <laughs> uh to cover up those titties those those yeah. <laughs> when the movie was released on the double bill with the undead in march of 1957 it received aggressively hostile reviews uh, it has long been considered one of the worst movies ever made. When you say a review is hostile, mm-hmm. is the author saying, like, actively do not go see this movie? Is that hostile? Or... Yeah, I would call that hostile. Okay. Like, you know, that mo- uh, movie review of um, Roger Ebert's that just starts with the words, I hate this movie, like four or five times repeated. I'd call that like a hostile review. What movie is that for? Was that for Transformers? No, that is for, I think it's for Baby's Day Out. <laughs> um, but I might be, or it might be for North. I might be, mis- I, I, I don't quite remember, but regardless. Um, but ever the professional, he still went to go see it. <laughs> so yeah, this was not well received um producer alex gordon took his fiance ruth alexander to the premiere and after the movie she gave him his engagement <gasps> ring back no uh telling him that sh- he should really be making like real movies and not trash like this oh no luckily they did patch things up when alex's brother richard explained to ruth that voodoo woman cost sixty five thousand dollars, uh whereas real movies cost like multiple millions of dollars later ruth would become alex's writing partner in addition to his wife oh that's neat yeah and uh today we are watching voodoo woman on tubi Mm. so that's a free service that listeners can access and uh you'll just have to sit through ads you're going to hear a brief musical interlude and when we come back we will discuss Voodoo Woman, at length, in depth, uh, from 1957, directed by Edward Kahn. See you on the other side, everybody. Welcome back to Scream Scene. We just finished watching Voodoo Woman from 1957, directed by Edward L. Kahn. 
Ben, first thoughts. Bad. Yeah. Uh, not worst movie ever made territory. That's hyperbolic. It, there is a very short list of things I liked here. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I think this movie's biggest sin for me was that I just found it very boring. I would agree. There were a couple moments that I liked that I will get into after we give the synopsis. Mm. But there are things that like I don't think they they would try to do anything with it. It's just like, oh, well, that's, that's nice. That's neat it, in this it, movie. It really, so much of it comes off as like autopilot. Like it's stock characters in a stock plot doing stock things. Yeah. Yeah. There is stocking. Yes, true. <laughs> so we are set in Africa. I'm presuming West Africa, given us being in voodoo territory. Mm. And when we open on the film, we are in a tribe during a voodoo ceremony or a ritual. Um, and we see that there is a white man here and he is a scientist who has been trying to basically mix voodoo with like his western scientific understanding of the world bridging these two things together um this doctor is dr voland gerard huh you know i don't think i ever caught his name the whole time we were watching the movie i think i just was thinking of him as tom conway sure they, uh, his wife does call him Roland, hmm. um, a couple times, but I mean, I looked at the cast list. Yeah, I'm sure it's said. I just don't remember <laughs> catching it. So there is a native girl here who is from the neighboring village and she is going to be experimented upon both with voodoo and with Gerard's science. She is turned into an indestructible creature. Now, Gerard wants to make it permanent, and the chieftain is like, nah, dude. No, I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, we took her from a neighboring village, man. Like, we got to give her back. Yeah, she's the daughter of their leader over there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so why did you take her? Right. Why didn't you just take, like, some random chick? Yeah. But okay, whatever. There's also really no reason it needs to be a woman other than... The costume that we're going to use has boobs, and the title of the movie is Voodoo Woman. Well, there's things, Ben. Okay. <laughs> so Gerard is like, okay, well, we'll take her to my place, to my underground laboratory then. And, like, you know, I, I won't make it permanent, but I, I still have, like, things to do with this. Yeah, he does have, a like, a bat cave under his, like, Africa hut. Yeah. Where his lab it's is. It's his basement. Yes, but it's like a, <laughs> it's a big cavern. One of the main things that Gerard is wanting to finesse is um, this mind connection to the creature, which is never explained. He can be telepathic with it and give it commands through his mind. And he also wants it to learn to kill. Yeah, so so here's the thing about a couple of these things. Real quick, just to get them out of the way now. Mm. One, while the movie keeps insisting that this is a mix of voodoo and science, the science part is never, like, that's as much explanation as you're getting. There's no mention of glands. There's no mention of radiation. The most we see him, like, Gerard ever do is, like, 
I think he maybe injects her with something from a needle at some point, maybe. Yeah. But like, that's about it. There's no scientific explanation for why she transforms, what he's done to her to make her transform. He says that this drug that he injects does something to the skin. Right. But but that's that's like an after effect. It's like an effect of the drug is that she has indestructible skin now. It doesn't really explain. The rest of that right. costume. Yeah, it's not like, oh, by changing the skin, I've turned her into this. No, it's, it's well, now that she's invincible, she has indestructible skin. But, like, the telepathy's never explained. Like, everything is much more rooted in voodoo than any kind of science. Also, he keeps insisting that she has to kill to live, but there's no explanation of that or why that needs to happen or why he needs her to do that. He needs to train this creature to kill on command. So when he brings it back to America, he can use this creature to kill his rivals. Yeah. And the people who laughed at him at the Science Academy. He has a very traditional like, yeah, they laughed at me and now they will know that they shouldn't have done that. I did science better. Um, And like, it's almost like the implication is... You know, you need to kill to live because if you don't kill, I don't want you around. Sure. He has this very stock mad scientist motivation, except that like it's never clear what other than getting revenge, it's never clear what he's trying to do in the first place. Like he's like, they laughed at my theories. And I'm like, your theories of, of what? What were you trying to prove? What does this prove? What are you doing here? Mm hmm. The question of what are we doing here is frequently brought up by his wife, Susan. Uh, We learned that they have been here for the past seven years. Yes. (laughs) And she, you know, maybe when they first arrived here, she was a little reluctant. And now she's a prisoner in her own home, under guard by villagers and under threat by Gerard, who literally threatens to kill her. Yeah, he is so into this idea of turning an African woman into a basically, basically what looks like the thing from Fantastic Four wearing a burlap sack with a blonde wig and a skull face. That's what the monster looks like. He's obsessed with that idea so much that he's willing to kill his wife for it Mm -hmm. in order to prove that he's not crazy. Yep, this is true. Meanwhile, we are introduced to some other characters, <laughs> namely Marilyn and her boyfriend, Rick. Now, they are at this saloon. They're at the Moss Eisley Cantina. <laughs> and they go after this rival treasure hunter named Harry West uh, because he has like this expedition to go out into voodoo territory and they're like hey well what's up and he's like i'm not gonna tell you we're gonna go look for borscht oh he's not telling so they managed to get him to tell by waving a gun in his face so he tells and they're like great shoots him basically he found some relics from a tribe who practices voodoo and these relics are made of gold So he's going to go find that tribe and take more relics. And now that is what Marilyn and Rick are going to do. Marilyn is ostensibly our protagonist, I guess. I guess. She's like the closest thing to a protagonist this movie has. But she is 100% amoral. 
yeah, she is trigger happy, like no moral qualms. Yeah, she killed Harry West, not the dude. Mm -hmm. Like she shot him. Um, She'll use her feminine wiles for anything. She definitely comes from the like do anything to get ahead school. Absolutely. The school of finding gold. (laughs) She's obsessed with finding gold. She's a gold digger. (laughs) And she's not afraid to go digging. No. You know, put put the work in. That's right. Now, Harry West had hired a guide via letters. So Rick pretends to be Harry West in order to con their guide, whose name is Ted Bronson, (laughs) um, to get him to take them into the jungle. As they are traveling through the jungle, Marilyn does try several times to seduce Ted. And Ted's like... He's kind of into it, but he's also like, I can tell you're bad news. Also, I'm working. Yeah. Marilyn sees Ted for the first time and is just like, ah, you're hot. I want this. And Ted's like, you're clearly evil. (laughs) (laughs) It's like if like evil Lynn went up to He-Man. Right. Yes, precisely. So like I said, Ted isn't taking the bait. Basically, she's trying to use her feminine wiles to convince Ted to take them past beyond the previously agreed upon point to go further into voodoo country. Um, When her feminine wiles don't suffice, she turns to gun wiles. (laughs) (laughs) So she and Rick basically coerce Ted into going deeper into the jungle and end up like tying him up at night to make sure he doesn't get away, that sort of thing. Meanwhile, back at our African tribe, Gerard is pushing the limits with this village girl. Um, Her name is Zaranda, by the way. So she consistently like won't kill. They like go into the neighboring village uh, and she's transformed and he's like, go destroy that hut. And she's like, "Mm," and he's like, destroy the hut. And she's like, okay, I'll destroy the hut. He's like, okay, now go kill everyone in your village. And she's like, hmm. And then that like moral dilemma breaks the spell and she turns back into Saranda. And the priest, um, like the witch doctor priest comes by and he's like, yeah, man, like she's not going to do anything she wouldn't do in her regular form. Uh, So if she's not a killer, she's not going to go kill. It's so weird that his first test of like, can I telepathically get this monster to kill people is go kill your like friends and family from your home village. Yeah. Like that's such a, like it's, oh, it's you so would wanna, fucked like, up. You would want to like work it up. Like, Kate, kill this lizard. Right. Kate, kill this like pet. Kill this. Like, like, yeah. It's, it's not that I've thought this through. No, it's so fucked up though. <laughs> it's like, it's like, why is this? Listen, it's trial by fire. Maybe when everyone in the movie says you're crazy, maybe you should think like, give it some thought. If like step one of the plan to prove that you're a good scientist is coerce this native girl into killing her friends and family. (laughs) Zeranda isn't working as a subject for Gerard. So he's like, "Mm, okay, she can go home. We'll figure this out. I need another test subject. So off she goes home. Meanwhile, uh, our expedition um, is actually pretty close to this tribe, uh, to the point where, like, the tribe knows that there's white people in the jungle. 
and Rick goes out uh, on his own to try to find a tribe with the same symbol that they're looking for um, that follows the, the voodoo practices with the gold, all that. And this is when the movie gets real gross. For so little reason. Yeah. So Rick wanders into Zaranda's village and he's like, nah, this isn't the place. This doesn't have like the symbols we're looking for. As he's leaving, Zaranda is arriving. So he hides. And then as she passes, he jumps out and he's like, hey, baby, seems a little dark for you to be walking. Can I see a smile? Uh, And she's like, what the fuck? She doesn't understand what he's saying, Mm -hmm. anything like this. Um, And he goes to attack her, to assault her. And it's violent. And he actually ends up killing her. And so he runs back to camp. It's so strange and out of nowhere. Like, if you want to give the movie more credit than it deserves, it's sort of motivated by the fact that um, Rick is feeling very, like, a lot of, like... Jealousy because Marilyn keeps going after Ted. Right. She's going after Ted for, like, plan reasons, but he still feels, like, super threatened by it. And he's clearly been, like pissed off of Ted being around and all of this stuff. So that's kind of his motivation, but like the movie doesn't do a really great job of like through lining that. It just kind of seems like he decides to rape an African woman out of nowhere in the middle of this B movie. And like things just escalate so quickly. Like she's screaming, he tackles her to the ground, then he hits her. And I was like, Whoa, he just hit her. And then suddenly he chokes her to death and she's dead. And it was like, Whoa, she's dead. It was just like, so fast and sudden and out of nowhere and it achieves so little Mm -hmm. in the movie it's for such little overall like gain yeah and it's like the movie wasn't trying to make a point with the violence it just happens to be there like no yeah it, it was like they were like okay well zaranda's not important to the plot anymore so let's kill her how should she die oh here's what'll happen like, it's so, it's handled so thoughtlessly. Yeah. So Zaranda's body is found, and the, uh, like, neighboring tribe and, like, I guess, Gerard's tribe uh, come together. They're like, hey, white men need to die because white men killed Zaranda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's clear at this point that they're like, white men, including you, Gerard. And yeah. Gerard's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll get the white men. I'll get them to pay, and I'll make them kill themselves. So, like, you don't even have to do any of the dirty work. So they go to our expedition's camp. And Gerard explains to Marilyn they want to kill whoever is responsible for killing this native girl. And Marilyn has put two and two together because Rick came back with, like, scratches on his arm. She's like, oh, well, it's him. She gives Rick up, like, immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Cold-hearted. Yeah. And not because of, like, she's mad that he did that. She's just like... Oh, you're going to kill all of us if we don't give him up? He's right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, Gerard's like, no, you don't understand. They want you guys to kill him. And she goes, oh. I can do that. Yeah, she takes out a gun, blasts him away. And now Gerard is like, huh, a woman who kills. She's DTK. (laughs) Down to kill. I mean, she's also DTF. um, But in this particular instance, he's more interested in the DTK. Yeah. Um, 
And without kind of giving away why they're here, Marilyn's like, hey, do you think we can, uh, like, stay with the tribe for a little bit before we head back? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure I can make that arrangement. You can stay at my house. (laughs) I'm sure we can, like, help each other with our end goals. And she's like, ah, yes, I'm sure we can. And, like, it's clear they're about to be, like, manipulating each other. Yeah, two completely immoral people. One of them crazy. The other one just normal immoral. (laughs) <laughs> have, have met each other. Gerard takes them back to his place. Um, he's picked up that Ted is not allowed to just wander free. So he's under guard. <laughs> Ted's <laughs> the only person with a good alignment in this party. <laughs> he knows he has to distract the paladin somehow. Um, and Gerard takes Marilyn down to his laboratory and he kind of explains like, yeah, I'm here doing research stuff. And she's like, ah, well, I'm here because I'm looking for gold. Do you know where the gold is? And he's like, well, I can get you access to the gold. You'll just, um, well, have you become priestess. You'll just have to do some rituals and then you'll, you can get the gold. And she's like, perfect. I'll do whatever it takes. Give me that gold. Now, the ritual to become priestess is actually the ritual to become the indestructible Paul Blaisdell monster. <laughs> and through hypnosis, telepathy stuff, Jard manages to get... Uh, Marilyn to like not remember being the creature. Mm. He manages also to get her to turn all the way so it's permanent. During that whole time, guess who's getting close? Ted and Susan. Yeah. Are but... two prisoners. Oh, well, I'm happy you're here now because you're a big, strong man. Yes, and you're a moral blonde woman as yes. opposed to this amoral brunette. You, you, I like you more. Um, but let's focus on escaping first. When they all first get to the house, Gerard tries to like deflect from his wife that he's got locked in her bedroom by being like, oh, oh she's crazy. Yeah, she's just been in Africa for too long. It's driven her crazy. So she's like super paranoid and she thinks that I'm keeping her here and she thinks that I'm the bad guy. But like, it's just because she's paranoid. Uh, so he definitely like tries to throw his wife under the bus with that. But luckily, being normal, uh, Ted figures out pretty quickly who's actually crazy around here. Yes. So they have an escape plan. The reason that they are keeping Ted around and not just killing him is because uh, there's going to be a big ritual. It's the big ritual this week. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gerard and the tribe want to sacrifice a white man. Like, what a great sacrifice. So we'll do Ted. During the escape of Ted and Susan, Susan is captured and taken to the ritual instead. Ted tries to go help her and rescue her, but he gets caught as well. At this point, Marilyn is full creature. Gerard tells her to hide while I go deal with this ritual, and then we'll get you your gold. And when he approaches the ritual, the head priest is like, yeah, so we want to kill all the white men so sorry Gerard hop in the hop in the the cauldron yeah oh yeah they have like this like geyser of vape smoke yeah I'm not sure what (laughs) it's actually supposed to be they call it the pit yeah like um for this tribe this is where they believe that their gods live yeah uh so they try to start to grab Gerard and tie him up. And then he goes, X-Men, X-Men. <laughs> I mean, Marilyn, come come get your gold. You gotta come <laughs> kill these guys to get your gold. Gold time. <laughs> come and get it. 
So she comes and just wrecks the villagers. And the priest is even like, oh, fuck. He ends up getting pushed into the pit with this, like, gold idol that they happen to have. And Jard's rescued. During this whole commotion, Susan and Ted did manage to, like, cut their ropes and escape. <laughs> and Not a good sign when you sort of half forget what's going on to some <laughs> of the characters in the movie when you're like, oh, yeah, the heroes got away, by the way. So Gerard is at this point like kind of like laughing. He's full of himself because the tribe is decimated. The priest is dead. He's like, <laughs> and, and kind of like starts mocking Marilyn. He's like, what use do you have for gold now, now that you are my indestructible creature? And just kind of like praising her, but also kind of nagging her. She starts like in monster form, like searching for the gold. And he's like, no, you fool. The only gold relic left was uh, that idol that the priest had when he fell in the pit. And she's like, what? All these these gold looking plates and pots and things are just like painted clay. And so she loses it and kills Gerard. The mad scientist was killed by his <laughs> own creation, you say? I know. I've I was completely <sighs> shocked. Big plot twist. Yeah. Um... An even bigger plot twist is she returns to normal form after he dies. No explanation. Besides, like he says at one point, like, I'll be this way as long as I live. Well, he says he'll be her master for <laughs> as long as I, he lives, which implies the telepathic connection, not the transformation in general. Also, we are going to go into that transformation in some detail once you finish this plot summary. But But go on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so now as Marilyn, she looks over and she's like, oh, the, the idol's just like hanging out on the edge of the pit. I'll go get it. And whoops, Daisy. And she falls into the pit. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not even like the, nothing pushes her. She doesn't trip over anything. She There's nothing. She just bends down to pick it over and then just kind of like falls over into the pit. Like, like, I get it. Sometimes women can be a little top heavy, but like, come on, guys. And it's hard to walk around in the jungle in heels, but still it's very unmotivated. But guess what? The movie's not over yet, Ben. <laughs> because Susan and Ted have made it back to the lab and they have to get out of this tribe and out of the jungle. Uh, so they make some Molotov cocktails uh, to blow up the villagers and make their escape. And they get back to the tavern, uh, to Maz Eisley. And the tavern keeper there, who was a character, I'm not going to go into it, um... He's like, oh, but where's Marilyn and Rick? And Ted's like, oh, they're dead. Like, they soup's dead. And this tavern keeper is like, well, Rick, maybe, but Marilyn, no, she, that kind of evil never dies. <laughs> and as he says that, we cut back to the pit and Marilyn in creature form emerges holding on to the golden idol victorious and then a, the end with the big question mark appears at the end and it's just oh my god <laughs> I, I do want to say just as like a put yourself to put you at ease um there are no sequels to this movie mm -hmm. just so you know thank god yeah couple things <laughs> uh-huh so the biggest like gross factor of this movie that would warrant a content warning is Rick's attack of Zaranda. Mm -hmm. But there are, um, like they do kill a chicken basically on screen. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was like, I mean, they, they definitely abuse a chicken on screen. I, I'm not sure if like mm. 
No, they kill it. Did they kill it? I I wasn't sure if they swapped it for like a fake chicken when it went under the table. No. Okay. They didn't do any magic tricks. They broke that chicken's neck. Okay. Um, And there was also possibly a once alive pig hanging like this warthog looking thing. It's like they're draining its blood Hmm. at the beginning. So like those like things with the animals, um, not egregious. The most egregious part of this movie that kind of crosses a line is Rick's assault. And I feel like that crosses the line because it's completely like out of the blue. The movie doesn't take it seriously. It doesn't give it the weight that it would kind of deserve. Yeah. It's just kind of like a thrown away plot point. That being said, it's also a darkest Africa jungle adventure movie. So like all of the racism that you would just sort of, you know, expect with that genre is like full bore here. Now, at least all of the Africans are played by black people. Um, and I know that that seems like a real low bar to clear, but like, we've been doing this show for a while, folks. Yeah. It's 1950s Hollywood. We We had a German, an Austrian actor playing a Polynesian, like not long ago. Yeah. Uh, so these are all black people for realsies, but like, like, oof, like, oof, like it's not. It's, it's exactly as racist as you expect. Like one of the biggest things watching this movie for me was I was like this, it's, it's so shocking that you could still do movies like this in 1957. Like this Mm -hmm. feels like this should have come out in 1937. Yeah. I mean, it's very old fashioned. So maybe that's part of why Mm -hmm. it feels that way for you. The thing about why it needed to be a woman Mm. is because, um, at one point Gerard is showing his wife uh, what he has done to Zaranda. See, honey, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I just have a giant monster in my cave. And she's like, you're a monster. And he slaps her. And this is like at the point where he's like, I'm going to kill you if you leave your room. But in showing this to her, he explains like she's going to be a mother to a whole new race of beings. And it's at that point where she says, with a horrified look on her face that he's a monster. Right. And I think that's because she's put the question of like, who's, who's dad? the father? Right. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, that's why it has to be a woman. That's also why it's gross that like he's here in darkest Africa experimenting on African women. Yeah. There's like, he, he definitely doesn't like consider he, he has no respect for human life, mm-hmm. you know, like, at like all. he calls Zaranda it. At one point, it's not like he treats his wife any better or any other person. Like he is just a psychopath. Yeah. Um, Tomato, tomato. Sure. (laughs) Uh, So, gosh, I don't know where to start here. Listen, here's why this isn't the worst movie of all time. (laughs) This is not incompetently made. Like, considering that this was made for $65,000, which is, like, low for a Roger Corman movie at this point, like, the sets look fine, the acting works, you know, no one's totally awful here except for some of the actors playing, like, the villagers, and that's mostly because they're being given, like, Tonto-ass dialogue to say. The costume for the monster looks stupid and doesn't make any sense and is bad, and I'm going to get to that, but, like... Honestly, the only other thing that really betrays, like, how low budget this movie is, is the fact that, like, they're all supposed to be in the jungle, but it's all on sound stages, and, like, nobody is sweating. Like, mm-hmm. everyone is perfectly dry, perfectly quaffed all the time. 
uh, which looks really bad. Um, what makes this movie bad is the script. Sure. Like everyone here is sort of barely a character. Uh, Marilyn is probably the most interesting, but that's just because having like an amoral murderess for a protagonist is, you know, a little bit abnormal. Yeah. It's more novel than like written particularly well. Yeah. She's just like a femme fatale. Her motivation is that she grew up poor on the streets of Pittsburgh. Philadelphia. Um, I thought she said Pittsburgh. It doesn't matter. The point is, (laughs) is like, she's not much of a character. Her boyfriend, Rick, his whole character is like, I'm jealous of Ted. Ted's whole character is, I have a square jaw and morals. Uh, Susan's whole character is, I'm blonde and I want to leave. The scientist's whole character is, I'm a mad scientist. It's like, why are you doing this? Well, because I'm a mad scientist. My character profile was gotten out of the drawer of stock characters. Like, nobody really has anything to them. I don't know why Gerard is doing anything or what he's seeking to achieve. Susan does ask him, like, why are you doing this? And he's like to prove them wrong. And again, it's like... About what? About what? And, And the fact that he's like been here for seven years and that he's like willing to kill his wife over it and willing to call these other people. So, okay. So the creature, okay. So the creature has to be a woman. Mm -hmm. They turn two different women into this creature at different points, different points. Um, the first one is Zoranda. She is, you know, African. So she has dark hair when she is transformed. She's wearing like a floral print, like sort of trying to look like it's a native garment kind yeah, of dress. Yeah, almost like a Hawaiian dress. Right. Then the other woman who's turned into the creature is Marilyn. She has dark hair. Mm-hmm. She also, when they do the ceremony to turn her into the creature, dress her in like an identical dress to Zoranda. And you might be thinking, aha, two dark haired women wearing the same dress. This must be. Because the creature has dark hair, like the costume they were using, and that's the dress that the creature's wearing, and they didn't want to like change things on the creature depending on who was turning into the creature. So to keep it all consistent, they put her in the same dress and they make it the same hair color. Well, listener, you would be wrong because <laughs> the creature wears a brown burlap sack for a dress that does not match what Zoranda wears or what Marilyn wears, which means that this voodoo science mix, in addition to turning you into an indestructible creature with a skull for a face, also turns whatever clothes you're wearing into a burlap sack. (laughs) And the creature has blonde hair, like a, like a fresh out of the salon ass blonde wig. Yeah. And the thing you were totally on the money about calling it like Betty Draper. Yeah. And the thing that confused me and that in retrospect makes no sense in the early parts of the movie, when it was Zoranda being turned into the creature and it clearly wasn't going right. It's like, this isn't working the way I want it to. And then, you know, Gerard goes back home and he's like, you there, Susan, my blonde wife. You cannot leave. There's, I will kill you if you try to leave. You have to stay here. And the thing is, is like, why though? Like you, if you're willing to kill your wife, if she leaves the house and while she's in the house, you don't actually care if she just barricades herself in her bedroom with a gun. 
So you don't need her for anything. You don't need her around. You don't love her. You don't care about her one way or the other. So I get why you don't want her to leave in the sense of like, you don't want her to get away and maybe get back to civilization and be like, hey. Dude's crazy. So I get that. So why don't you just kill her now? Why are you keeping her alive? She's not providing you with anything. So at first I thought, ah, well, Susan is blonde. So maybe the reason the creature is blonde is because he's going to turn Susan into the creature and they didn't want to change the hair color and stuff. So in these early scenes where it's Saranda, the creature's just blonde because these people are lazy. But no, Susan's never turned into the creature. There are three women in this movie. One of them is blonde. She is not the one who is turned into the creature. <laughs> and so there's no reason why he keeps her alive. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why the creature is blonde. Did, were, they, were they like, hey, Paul, we need you to put a different wig on the creature because this one looks like the hair is wet. And there's no reason for her hair to be wet in this one because she's not a lobster woman. And Paul was like, cool, I'll head down to... Wigs Emporium. And get some wigs. And they were like, great. And they just never thought to tell him what color the hair should be. Or maybe the actresses weren't cast. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So then Paul goes down and buys the blonde wig. Well, if the actresses weren't cast, then you would be like, ah, we have a blonde wig. Let's cast some blonde actresses for those parts. Or... If the actresses are cast, you tell Paul to get a dark hair wig. Yep. Both women who get turned into the creature have dark hair. Like this, this yeah. shouldn't have been hard. And I think when you have the creature walking around with her blonde hair in multiple shots to the point where like they shoot the creature from the back where you can see the blonde hair way more often than they shoot it from the front where you can see its weird skull face. Mm-hmm. So it's really clear that the creature is blonde. And, like, just nothing screams, nobody gave a fuck about this movie, like having this blonde-ass creature walking around. This is also the feeling I got in She-Creature, when the creature arrives and it's blonde with big tits. (laughs) It was like... Lobster creature. What, how, uh, what, what makes a woman? Ah, blonde and tits. I do love that now that, like... When the creature was a weird lobster humanoid from back in the eons of time, it was okay for her tits to be out, particularly because they're weird scaly rock tits with no nipples. (laughs) But now... Lobsters don't breastfeed, Ben. You don't need nipples. Okay, listen. (laughs) That's not the question here. That's not the problem here. But now that... Like, it's not even really clear what the creature is supposed to be. Gerard talks about like, oh, I've mixed beast, the best parts of beast and man. And it's like, what beast is this? <laughs> um, but like now that she's, I guess, ostensibly like more human because now she like now we got to cover her up yeah. like that. That sack she's wearing is covering up her titties. And like, it's just so weird to me. Yes. There are many other weird things in this movie, such as. Did you notice that there's no women in our main village? Right. They have to go to the neighboring village to get a lady. And that's the only other place where we see other women. Yeah, women and children are in the other village. This village, the the village that's doing the voodoo is like a 100% stag village. And Gerard's been here for seven years. Right. How many women... Has he Ooh, tried this on? Ooh, and ooh. maybe they've died. They haven't like because they were figuring out that's, the mix. That's of why they had to science. go to the other other village because yep. they're out of women. 
Wow. Also, there are other women in the movie, I guess, other than Marilyn, Susan, and Zaranda. We <laughs> did sex workers at yes, the tavern. Yes, there are. There's some some women at the tavern who are who are just here to be some eye candy. Yes, I do want to stress all of them have dark hair too. <laughs> That being said, Marla English is terrible. (laughs) She is... (laughs) She delivers every line the same. Yeah, she is just doing a stock character 100%. But yeah, you're totally right. Like every line, like here's... here. I want you to ask me for the time of day and I will respond to you in character as Marilyn. Uh, Marilyn, what time is it? Find the time yourself. I mean, you have your watch right there. And it's my watch, and I'm going to keep it. Well, do you mind asking that man over there for the time for me? Oh, I'll ask him. You'll see just how well I ask him. Yeah, that's exactly Ben uh, A+. Plus. Um, here's your Oscar. Um, do, you have a, do you have an acceptance speech? <laughs> I want to say thank you to all of the bad movies that I had to watch <laughs> to get to this point. Um so the only other thing, uh, okay, here are the things that I did like. Okay. I did like, hey, actual black people. Mm-hmm. And I liked that there's like a few lines where Gerard is like, I've learned so much science from these voodoo practices. Like they right. bring together like chemistry and, and other sciences and he says actual words and I just don't remember what it is. So like almost like a recognition that voodoo is like real. That and indigenous it, practices are worthwhile. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that there were real black people. I liked that we had a like neutral evil character for a protagonist. I liked the collection of stock characters at the tavern. And yeah, that stuff with like native science is just as cool as Western science or whatever. It was neat. I also liked how as much as we said that, like, you know, the murder of Zaranda is real, like, Whoa, that came out of nowhere. Um, the movie is, totally cool to just kill people like if i had to admire this movie for one reason it would be that like watching a movie in 1957 where a woman just gets to murder people all the time feels really novel that's That's, true that's kind of it though for me yeah yeah that's that's fair i did nearly fall asleep towards the end no (laughs) like when when the creature was attacking and stuff like i was fighting it back Oh, with that in mind, let's turn to ranking. I don't think this is a horror movie. Listener, uh, Ben just took a big long swig of his tea. <laughs> like the fucking Kermit the Frog meme. Yes. I don't think this is horror. I mean, that's fair, but like the stock characters and the stock plot come from horror. The stock characters are also like... Mad Scientist is a stock horror character as equally as it's a stock sci-fi character. Sure. The monster, it's definitely a monster movie. I will grant you that. But there's no attempt at horror here. There's no attempt to convey horror here. Yeah, the atmosphere that we noticed was missing with Moritau, same director, uh, is also missing here. And 
you know, at least Moritao had the undead. This movie is a jungle adventure movie. Like, this is a movie where, you know, you go through the jungle to find the lost gold and the, you know, dangerous voodoo practicing natives, like, capture you and they're going to sacrifice you to their, like, strange gods. Only there's, like, a white guy here who's going to turn you into a weird Franken monster at the same time. Um, and like the thing is he doesn't capture Marilyn and drag her kicking and screaming to the experiment table. And he's not like leaning over her with like his syringes as she's screaming. True. You know, he's like, Hey, do you want to be a big indestructible monster, babe? And she's like, sounds good. Where's the gold? Yeah, to be fair, she doesn't actually agree to be an indestructible monster. But she does basically say, like, yeah, whatever it takes to get the gold. The woman who's under threat, Susan, she's under threat if she leaves. But she's, like, losing her mind here. She's hearing the screams. So I think it's a horror movie from Susan's point of view, but she's barely given any screen time. She's here so that... Ted has someone to date. Yeah, when the movie's over, so that he can escape with someone. Yeah. I mean, like, as far as our parameters for is this a horror movie, there's definitely survivors at the end. They've had a very harrowing experience. Yes. But, like, the monster doesn't, like, stalk anyone through the trees. The monster doesn't scare anyone other than the villagers who the movie could give less of a shit about. Yeah. I think this is an adventure movie that just happens to solely star unlikable people <laughs> with the exception of like Ted and Susan with, which basically means that like, you know, she's basically a princess in the castle to be rescued from the evil wizard. True. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Um, I do see what you say about like it being a harrowing situation and then them having like survived it. But I don't know if that's enough in this case. Yeah. Especially with, like, where the film puts the emphasis on. Even to the point where, like, the attack of Zoranda is, like, in one scene. There's no, like... And by that I mean, like, there's no stalking scene like mm-hmm. you have in, like, say, Cat People. Kind mm-hmm. of, like, the quintessential stalking scene. Yeah. There's no, like, attempts to make that tense or atmospheric or moody or... Yeah tense is what is missing from this movie yeah because like most of the movie is just sort of cutting back and forth between gerard being like if only my experiment had an ideal subject and marilyn being like if If only only i had had the gold." gold and like you're just waiting for the two halves of the story to connect for most of the running time and Mm -hmm. then it kind of finally does and then the movie's over yeah Okay, so I I agree with your designation. Okay. Do you want to hear where I was looking? I am curious. Okay, so it's going to make a lot of sense. Famous last words. So my starting point was number 96. Voodoo Man? The She-Creature. Oh, sure, yeah. And I was like, I think the She-Creature is better. I would agree. It, it was a movie <laughs> it was better and like it, it, it had more threat to it it had more atmosphere the creature it, made more sense ironically yeah i made that my 
my ceiling, and then looking down, I stopped at 103 at Captive Wild Woman, yeah. the first Paula Dupree movie. This movie does have a lot of like Paula Dupree feels in the sense of like mad scientists turns a lady into a monster and they sort of transform back and forth without really any consideration of what's happening to her clothes in between <laughs> and kind of just transforms back and forth at seemingly random points. Yeah. So that, that was my range. Hmm. Um, and there's some like neat things to compare it to in here, but it's not a horror movie, so we don't have to do that. I think honestly, if you gave me a choice, I would watch Captain Wild Woman over this. Oof. Because like, Honestly, John Carradine put yeah. some effort into his role in that movie. He hadn't started phoning it in yet. Whereas this is Tom Conway, like definition of phoning it in. He is just reading his lines. Yeah. So uh, if this is not horror, that means that you will be able to find it on the miscellaneous part of the scream scene list, along with other movies that have baited and switched us. You can find that list at our website, screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, there you can find links to other episodes, including if you want to hear the she creature again um, and hear about how Paul Blaisdell came up with this original design in the first place. If you would like to contest this or any other ranking, you can drop us a line through our ask box on Tumblr. You can also email us at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us on the devil bird site <laughs> at underscore scream scene scream scene updates every wednesday on apple podcasts google podcasts soundcloud and spotify you can follow us with whatever podcasting app you like by subscribing to our rss feed if you'd like to help support the show leave us a rating or a review on the podcasting app of your choice or simply tell a friend about us uh word of mouth is the easiest way best way for our audience to grow if you Really enjoy what we do here. You can also consider heading on over to patreon.com slash scream scene podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we've hit our first Patreon goal of $150 a month, which means we will be doing monthly episodes on horror adjacent movies like um the adams family or the 1999 the mummy or the man Ooh. the man who laughs oh yeah, yeah yeah um which everyone's like that's horror and trust me folks it's not um <laughs> so another big thank you to ramon for putting us over the edge there and helping us reach that goal as well as all of our other patrons we literally would not be able to do this without you so if you want to keep hearing horror adjacent episodes sign on up to the patreon at patreon.com slash scream scene podcast so ben what are we watching next week next week sarah we're going to italy Ooh. i don't think we've had an italian film so far i don't think so but fans of horror will know that italy becomes a major producer of horror films and we will be seeing the floodgates open with a film called I Vampiri. It is directed by Ricardo Freda, but he didn't finish it. Oh. The film was finished by its cinematographer, Mario Bava, who would go on to be the probably most influential Italian horror filmmaker of the initial wave 
of Italian horror films. The the father of Giallo, the master of the macabre. Uh, so I'm quite excited to see this movie next week. This is going to be huge. I'm very excited. See you then, creatures of the night. Bye. Ciao. Ciao.